wonder if we can do you feel liberty do you feel liberty let's stand up there's some people that do not feel liberty let's pray father 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 Yes, yes, yes. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I claim the blood of Calvary over every mind in this place. Emotionally, spiritually, physically. It must go. It must flee in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 La roba sayo yo lo 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 ro 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 mana la 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 ra 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 ba si yo lo 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 ba si. It's the unction of the Holy Ghost that you feel. It's the unction of God. It's the fire on your tongue and your lips. Hallelujah. 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 You're going to need that every day from here on out. You're going to need that. You're going to need to be in such a place and live in such a place to where we don't have to go back and repent before we start praying. You don't need, you need to live in such a place every day that when you call upon the name of Jesus, you know you have a direct line. Whatever it is that is keeping you from that direct line, that is a stumbling block in your life can be gone today. It can be gone today, today. Hallelujah. 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 Arabahaya, Arabahaya, Arabahaya. Don't take steps back. Don't compromise. Don't quiet down. Don't let anything stop the liberty that you have. Or that shall I say you had. Let it not be past tense, but let it be present tense today. It's got to be. I don't know who that is for. The unction of the Holy Ghost is upon you. Inasmuch that I cannot wait to receive the word that comes forward today. It will carve us and it will make us what we need to be. God bless you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I've uh, asked 
Elder Nick Johnstone to come, and he and his uh, couple of his children have driven over the pass this morning from Puyallup, and uh, I'd like for him to come at this time, turn this to him. Oh yeah, we'll dismiss the platform, why not? Thank you, Bishop. It's good to be with you today. Such a beautiful group of people, and... Um, it is great to be back together as the people of God. And uh, while we haven't had the chance to be all the way back together yet as a group, I know that that's coming. And God's going to open the door when it's time, and he's going to put us all together in one place worshiping him. And uh, I just I got a lead on a place the other day. It's an it's a indoor baseball practice facility, so it's got nice green turf on the floor. I'd be great for aisle running and rolling. So... give honor to all the elders that are here today, those that serve together with the kingdom of God. Give honor to Bishop, Sister Schoonover, and uh, also give honor to my parents today who are here in the room today. And I appreciate uh, all of those who have put something into my life along the way. Are you glad for people who can speak into your life? People who can talk to you, people who can pour things into you, teach you things, train you things? You know, I've entered into a stage of life where now I'm trying to do that with my own kids. And the challenge is, when you get old, you forget what it was like 40 years ago when somebody was training you. And so you kind of just have to learn as you go. And you try to teach, you try to train, but you know what I've learned the hard way is more impactful than me teaching and training anybody? Is being an example. I can say whatever I want to say to my kids, but they watch how I actually live. That's hard. <laughs> That's a challenge. They see me. They know. And I can say, don't do that, but dad. <laughs> don't talk that way, but dad. They see me. They know. Amen. Would you just lift your hands one more time and just continue to entertain the presence of the Lord that was moving through this place so strongly in the last few moments in the name of jesus we submit ourselves to you in this hour father we submit ourselves as vessels of the holy ghost instruments father to be used of you in this hour in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus I'm going to talk to you today uh, on humility. I've never talked about this before. I uh, spent all yesterday and all this morning asking the Lord, really? Cause you, know, you know the hardest part? Can, we, can I be honest today? The hardest things to do as a minister is to talk about, teach about something that you know you haven't mastered in your own life. Can, I, can we just, that's the like clarification statement today. I'm not talking to you about this today because I've got it figured out. But I feel a compelling of the Holy Ghost in this hour. The scriptures that, I've that I'm going to read to you today, we're going to stay in the Word of God. This isn't going to be my ideas, but the scriptures that we're going to read together today 
have become a part of my prayer time these, the past week or so. And I feel a drawing of the Holy Ghost to go deeper to a place of humility. To a place of abasing myself, of humbling myself before Him. This, this really started for me a few weeks ago. Brother Heiner opened a, a service in Puyallup. And uh, he read one of the scriptures that I'm going to read today. And it was just a few days later, and it, it impacted me. I think Bishop maybe even said something about it. He sent something out. And I, you know, there are things, I, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm just, I want to be full of pride today. I don't believe that. Nobody gets up and like, well, look at me. Boy, I don't know I look good. I actually feel sorry for the neighbors because they have to see me when I take the dog out at 6 o'clock in the morning and my hair is straight up in the air. There's nothing prideful about that. It's very humbling. So I don't get up in the morning and I say, oh, man, you know, I just, I think today is my pride day. We're going to have Nick pride day. And I'm just going to be proud. No, it just, it happens in the process of time. It just, it's a creep. Anybody here know what a creep is? It's just a creep. It's, it just moves slowly. And, and before you know it, it creeps up on you. And before you know it, you just, you find yourself, hopefully not full, but sometimes full of pride. It just, it's, it's in our nature. But Jesus had a lot to say about this. And I want to start today in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. And, and this is, these are the things that, we're going we're gonna to look at some of Jesus' teachings and some of the things that Jesus had to say about this in the Gospels. And, and then we're going to get into the epistles and into some of the meat and potatoes of what I feel like the Holy Ghost is wanting to say today. But I, I want to lay a foundation here just for a moment because even the men, even the twelve, or the Joel, who got to rub shoulders with Jesus, the closest people to him, I could argue, I mean, I'm pretty distant from him. I have a great relationship with him, and I'm filled with the Spirit. And some might even argue that that's better than, having, than actually walking the roads of Jerusalem and Galilee and Judea and all the places that they traveled together. Some would say that that's more impacting to have his Spirit resident in you. But there's something about the idea of walking with him. You know, I, I love my wife, and I, I, I appreciate her. I wish she could be here today. But... There's just something different for all you married folks and anybody who's, who's dating somebody in the room today. It's one thing to, to know that you're in a relationship with somebody and, and maybe you're separated by distance and maybe somebody lives you know, a, a state away or a, a, a city away or a county away or whatever. And that there's one thing to be connected to them and to know that I'm in a relationship and I'm committed to them. But it's something completely different to be living in the same house with them. To be interacting with them because there's a closeness that comes. And so I, I, I just, I want us to understand here today that even with Jesus' personal chosen disciples, those that he handpicked, those that, that were uh, illuminated to him by the Spirit of God, and he chose for a specific purpose in that hour. And we, we hold those men in high regard today, all, all of them but about one. Even he had a role. But we hold them in high regard today. But Jesus had to deal with them. He had to smack them around every now and then. In chapter 23, in verse 11, Jesus starts to give us some insight into how he thinks. Everybody say, how does Jesus think? 
This is how Jesus thinks. This is how he feels about things. And every now and then he just drops a little nugget for us in his word on to, here's how he thinks. Here's, what, here's how he feels about this. In 23.11 he said, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself will get knocked down a few notches. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You see, this is so, these words are, are such an oxymoron in, 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 in the world that we live in today, in the society that we live in. Because everybody in society has turned into this, this place where everyone's trying to exalt self. It's just, it's who we are. It's what happens. You, I, I'm not going to get into all these things today, but all you have to do is spend five minutes scrolling through an Instagram feed or a Facebook feed or a LinkedIn feed, and you'll find people exalting themselves. You'll find people tooting their own horns. You'll find people that are setting themselves up, and that's fine. You have the ability to do that. But Jesus said, in my kingdom, those who exalt themselves are going to find themselves abased. They're going to find themselves knocked down a few notches. I don't like that. I don't like getting knocked down. I don't like laying on the ground. I, I don't like being pushed down. I don't like being shoved down. So how do I avoid that? I have to humble myself before Him. I have to find myself in a place of abasement before Him. Luke chapter 9, verse 46. These are the same guys. The guys hand-selected by Him. There arose a reasoning or an argument among them. Which of them should be the greatest? This was their discussion. Who's the best? Anybody ever heard the, the arguments of, you know, is it Kobe or LeBron? Is it Jordan or LeBron? Is it, who's the greatest? Is it Peyton or is it Tom? Who's the best? Who's the GOAT? And we talk about these things so freely, and I'm sure that if I stopped the service right now and we started that discussion about who's the greatest of all time between basketball, we could have a discussion and probably an impassioned discussion. And you could get up here and you could make your argument as to why so-and-so is better than somebody else. And, oh, but you don't know the stats. And you don't know what happened in 93 and 94 and the finals in 97. And we get so big, we get so caught up on, on telling each other who the greatest is. Human nature, it's what we're programmed to do in society today. But Jesus said, he perceived their thought. He felt what was in their hearts. So he took a child, he grabbed a child, he brought him over and he set him by him. And he said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. These are, these are things that are opposite of what we're taught. You, know, you, can go to, you can go to school and take classes on how to self-promote yourself. Yeah, they call it marketing. There are people who will teach you how to properly manage your Instagram account. How to properly manage your Facebook account. How to have a social media presence. For the purpose of getting yourselves out there. Now, again, I understand advertising. I understand all those things. But you gotta, you got to understand we live in a different kingdom. We're participating in a different process. 
This isn't my process. I didn't create this process. I'm just a participant in it. And it's so easy sometimes to allow the processes of this world to become processes of the kingdom of God. I was, uh, and I, I don't mean anything by this, but when I came off the exit ramp today into Union Gap and hit the first roundabout, there was a car in front of me that had a sticker on the back window that named a church in town. I know the name of the church. I recognize the name of the church. No offense to that, but last time I checked, this was his church. And he doesn't need a bumper sticker on the back of my car. He doesn't need church marketing programs to grow his church in the earth. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. My job is to exalt him, not self. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Here's another rendition of what we just read. He came to Capernaum, and being in the, in the house, he asked them, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves, by the way? He knew what it was. They were walking along, and they were having an argument, and he knew what it was, but he wanted to talk to them. He wanted them to admit what it was. What were you talking about? What was your discussion about? What were you feeling? What were you thinking? And they held their peace. They didn't want to talk about it. No, 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 no. See, they, they already knew how he felt about this. So they held their peace. For, by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all. And servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Jump to Matthew chapter 20. Back to Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then came to him the mother, oh, the parents, the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him. Can you think about this for a second. Mom comes walking to Jesus with a kid in each hand. Oh, Lord, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're so great, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you're so awesome. There's nothing compares to you. And those around must have been looking at us like, oh my goodness, look at the worship. Look at the awe. He knew her heart. <laughs> he said unto her, what wilt thou? She said unto him, grant that these, my two sons, may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, ye know not what ye ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They say unto him, we are able. And he saith unto them, ye shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand, that's not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they, are, they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister and whosoever will be chief among you let him be your servant even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give 
his life a ransom for many. Hear me right now. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how discounted you feel in life. How less gifted you feel than somebody else. God has a plan for your life. And that's not a cliche. That's not hyperbole. That's not just trying to excite you and get you to buy it. That's the truth. He who created you didn't create you planless. He didn't just create you and say, oh, could have done better. Let's put this on the shelf. We'll let them live life. No, no, that's not his plan. God has a plan for you. If you're here today, God has a plan for you. If you're not here today and you're watching online or watching later, God has a plan for you. A specific plan. And in his timing, he will do his work. And it will be played out in your life. Get out of the way. Quit trying to push yourself to the front of the line. And get something early that God has a plan for you. God said to these men, yes, yes, I picked you. There's a plan for you. Did they really know all that was coming? I mean, did Peter see the day of Pentecost? Did they see the New Testament church and all the things that God was going to do in them and through them? And that initial revival, that initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost that many of them got to participate in. Oh, we know what happened to some of them. But they had to go through some things. There was some process. Peter could stand up with authority on the day of Pentecost and say, these are not drunk as ye suppose. And we look at him as one of the greatest preachers who preached the, the, the message that brought the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it was great. But do you know how humbling it must have been to hear, Wait. I thought you were great. I thought you were awesome. He finds himself in a place of failure. He finds himself in a place rejected by those around him. But it was part of the plan of God. And God had a process to get things out of Peter that needed to get out so that he could stand up with authority, not in pride, but in the authority of the Holy Ghost and say, listen, this is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that the prophet Joel prophesied about. They knew exactly what he was talking about. They read it every, every Saturday, every Sabbath. They read from the prophets. They understood exactly what it was that he was talking about. Do you understand the difference between walking in pride versus walking in spiritual authority? They're not one and the same. Sometimes I'm concerned we confuse them. Let's pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, you know the beginning from the end. There is, there is nothing that is hidden from you. You know every heart in the room. You know every mind in the room. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Let your spirit prevail in us. Let your spirit prevail in us today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God had a plan, but there were, there were other things that had to play out first. There were three and a half years. I don't, I don't know what part in the process she came in tow with those boys, but there was a process that needed to play out. They were going to have to be sent out two by two. They were going to have to deal with the rejection of Jesus. If you go look at Jesus' ministry, it can really be, be placed into about three components. 
there was this introduction and then there was the height of his fame where everywhere he went, people were, were coming around him and surrounding him. And boy, anybody here ever been part of somebody's entourage? You don't have to raise your hand. It's just kind of fun, you know, hanging out with cool people. You know, everywhere you go, they're like, yeah, I'm with him. I'm with him. You know, just cool. They lived through that for, I don't know, maybe a year or so of Jesus' ministry. Then all of a sudden, things flipped. And you read things like, we can't go through Galilee. They're trying to, they tried to kill you last time we were in Galilee. We can't go over there. They tried to stone you. And now they're, they're kind of just hiding out and moving from location to location. This was part of the process. This wasn't about the hype. This wasn't about who they were, who he was. He was trying to separate some things out, trying to work some things out of them. It was a part of his plan. He said it. You're going to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. You're going to have to drink of the cup of suffering. I drink from it. It's just part of the process. You've got to get used to that. Let's jump ahead to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. There, there we go. This is Peter. Hey, I, not only am I I'm an elder among you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm equal to you. He wasn't saying that in the sense that, hey, we're equals in authority. He was saying that, hey, we're brothers. We're one of another. We work together. He was identifying himself to them. And then he also says, I am a witness. Sister Schoonover, I got a testimony of the sufferings. I had to go through some junk. And so he starts talking to them about this, this direction that he feels. He said, not only was I a witness of the sufferings, but I was also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. You see, everyone's looking for the glory, but nobody wants the sufferings. The glory came after the sufferings. We know, we know what his glory looked like. I mean, think about that for a minute. After the resurrection, first of all, he, he, he's killed, he's crucified, he's resurrected. He starts just walking into rooms through, through closed doors. I mean, can you imagine being alive in that 40 days where there was just all kinds of crazy things happening? You're walking down the road, all of a sudden somebody appears beside you and is walking with you. I mean, they, they got to experience some glory. And then on the day of Pentecost, when it was poured out, and, and then in Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, and, and the silver and gold have I none at the gate beautiful. They saw the glory. They experienced the glory of God. But it was only after they had experienced some sufferings. Only after they had experienced some really, really dark days. You see, in our humanity... It's generally in the dark times that we try to break and run. It's in the darkest moments of night that we think, this just isn't worth it anymore. God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you at? You, you filled me with your spirit, and I thought this was going somewhere. And Boy, I was feeling really good, but now I don't even, I'm not even sure if you're real. I don't even know where you're at. And, and we stumble around in the darkness of life, and we don't realize that, all the while he's right there, but it's in the darkness that he can reveal himself to us in a greater way. You ever been in a lighted room? 
Oh, we're in a lit room right now. It's pretty easy to get around here, isn't it? I don't need any help. If we shut the lights off in here, now, there'd, be, there'd still be some light from that door over there and those windows over there. But you get some darkness in this room, and we're suddenly really reliant upon other people. Hey, 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 let me follow you. I got my hand on your back. Let me follow you out. Let me follow you out. That's what the Lord's looking for in the darkest time of your life. He's looking for you to reach to him, not push him away. Not run from him. He's looking for you to reach to him. Where you at, Lord? Where you at? I'm in a dark season. I'm in a season of suffering. He says, yep, yep, I led you there. I took you there. I have a plan. Just hang in with you. Hang with me. My purpose is to reach to him. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility started praying this verse a few weeks ago i started asking the lord lord i don't necessarily know what that means i didn't i didn't even look that up until last night when the lord began to really deal with me that this is what we were going to talk about today but i've just been praying that i want to be clothed with humility whatever that means lord i just want to be clothed with it i want to be wrapped in it you see there's a couple of things that transpire when i become clothed with something I've got a shirt underneath this jacket today. And I took this shirt off. You can see this shirt. And it's, a, it's a cool shirt. It's got nice colors in it. My wife picked it out for me. Helped me put it on this morning. But I can, I can cover this up so that you can't see this shirt. You know there's a shirt there and you thank God there's a shirt there. But it's covered up so that you can't see it. And... Here's what I felt this, this entire week when I become clothed with humility, not, not my humility, but his humility. When I become submitted to him and I become clothed in humility, then nobody can see me anymore. They can only see him. I, w- I want to read this to you in the original. If, if those of you who speak two languages, especially our Spanish speaking brethren, sisters in the room today, you know that a lot of things in other languages are backwards. They don't say Union Gap, Washington. They say Washington Union Gap. It's backwards. And it's the same way in the Hebrew and the Greek. And so when you read this verse in the original, it literally says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, all, yea, one to another. Be subject with humility and be clothed. I thought, Okay, well, I guess I've been praying this scripture wrong all week. I can't be clothed with humility. That word clothed, the original word, the original Greek word of that word clothed, is only mentioned one time in the entire New Testament. One time. You don't find many words like that. Lots, lots of words you get into your Strong's Concordance, they're listed 50, 60, 70, hundreds, 500, 600 times. They use the same word over and over and over again to, 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 to translate things into English. One time they use this word. I'm not even going to begin to pronounce it. But it literally means 
a knot or band by which two things are fastened together. We would call that unity. God says it's humility that brings unity. It's humility that binds us together. There's a, I've, I don't see this in Strong's. I look at the Strong's every day. I don't see this very often. But there's a little excerpt underneath that one line I just read to you. And I want to read this to you. I specifically read this. And I just I felt such a witness in my spirit about it. But it says that this word, I, I'm going to butcher it. It's called ikomboya. Uh, ikomboya. There you go. You got it. This was the white scarf or apron of slaves which was fastened to the belt of the vest and distinguished slaves from freemen. Therefore, 1 Peter 5, 5, gird yourselves with humility as your servant garb. Encourages Christians to show their subjection one to another by putting on humility. It could also to the overalls which slaves wore to keep clean while working an exceedingly humble garment talked about a anybody here ever worn an apron I love it when my wife breaks her apron out at home because it means she's about to cook something good it's going to get messy in the kitchen you know she cooks dinner and throws things together in the pots pans you know just the normal everyday clothes but when I see her go over and get that apron off the hook and put it on I know there's something coming it's going to be a pie it's going to be a cobbler it's going to be some cookies it's going to be something that's about to get good that apron in Jesus' time represented service so to properly interpret 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5 it says be subject to one to another and put on your apron. How can I serve you? Anybody here ever worked on a car and wore coveralls? Overalls, whatever you want to call them? Yeah. You walk into a shop, you know who the mechanic... Well, when I was a kid, they don't anymore. They all wear these nice button-up shirts. They go, they've all gone professional. No offense. <laughs> Mechanics! They call them automotive technicians now. My dad, we had some old trucks when I was a kid, and we used to go to a wrecking yard. Anybody here know what a wrecking yard is? A wrecking yard! We got parts upon parts upon parts from Midway Auto Wrecking on Highway 99. Every time you went in there, everybody had them old gray coveralls on. Anybody know what those are? Kids, kids today don't know, but anybody from the 80s and 90s knows what a good pair of gray overalls are with your name right there! That was the other interpretation. Put your coveralls on. About to get messy. I'm about to do something for you that's going to bind us together. It's that tie that binds us. You need help with something. I'll be right there. You need a hand with this? I'll be right there. He doesn't stop there, though. 
He says, for God, resist those who refused to don the apron. He refuses those who say, don't call me a mechanic. I'm an auto tech. Give me my button-up shirt. Give me my blue slacks and my black shoes. Give me my name and put my ASE certification on the shoulder because I'm somebody now. God, resist that. Come here, Joey. Now, you're a big strapping man, so don't hurt me. Resist me. I want to go somewhere in life. Father, I want to go somewhere in you, but I don't know what it is. There's just something between me and you, God. We use this term a lot, spiritual resistance. There's just all kinds of spiritual resistance. Could it be that God's resisting me? Hello? Could he be resisting me? I, I, I just, I had to think back. I had a long drive here. I had to think back of all those moments that somebody asked me, how did it go today? Oh, there's a lot of spiritual resistance in the room. Was it me? Did I come in and grab the mic and didn't put the apron on first? See, I'm not here today as a preacher, a minister, a pastor, an elder, a deacon, whatever. I'm not here today as that. I'm here as a servant of Jesus Christ. I came to serve. Boy, he's quiet here. I came to serve. That's what he called me to. Had the privilege on Friday of working in a warehouse. Anybody, any warehouse workers here? My hat's off to you, man. It's hot and dusty and nasty in there. Hat's off to you. I was in the warehouse and I was wandering around. I was just supposed to be shadowing people. Just, just watching them work, watching what they were doing. Learning, just learning. After a couple of hours, I was really bored and people were really uncomfortable with me looking over their shoulder. One guy looked at me and says, are you the boss? No. It's my fifth day here. I'm just job shadowing you. So finally I asked somebody, I said, what are, what are all these carts? There were just carts. You know those like plastic push carts, rubber-made carts, just piled high with product all over, just stacked all over the place. I said, what are these? What are these? Well, these are things that people have pulled. These are orders that people have pulled off the shelves. They're just sitting here. Somebody has to double-check them. They don't trust us. They have to be double-checked. So I walked over, and I picked up the purchase order off the top of the first one, and I started scanning through it. I'm like, yeah, there's four boxes of those. Yeah, there's three of those. Yeah, Okay. I said, is that it? This, this one's good. What are you doing? I said, I was just helping you. But in about an hour, I had all the carts finished. Put all the POs back on top, signed my initials on them. The warehouse manager came in. He said, what are you doing in here? I said, well, I was just helping you guys out. It's Friday night. Everyone wants to go home early, and they had all these carts. They need to double check and nobody can leave because they can't load it onto a pallet for a driver to pick up on Monday morning until it's checked. He said, you really did that? 
You checked all those? Yeah, what's the big deal? He said, nobody comes in here and does that. I said, just all I know how to do, put the apron on. Father, what needs done in your kingdom? Sometimes we can get, we get to this place where that's not my job. Who's in charge of this? Oh, man. <laughs> Pray right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So God, re- God resists the proud, but he gives grace. Grace, empowerment, favor to the humble. Here's the thing. I, I don't believe that humility is something that you conquer once in life and it's over. It is hour by hour, minute by minute. It really is. God will constantly bring things about in your life that will either humble you or check you to see if you're humble. He will bring things about that will either test you to see if you're going to take the credit for what's happening or if you're going to turn it back to Him. Because that's what He wants. Let's read another verse here. Philippians chapter 2, Brother Hart. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, open our eyes to see, Father. Let us look around us. I pray that you would lead us in the name of Jesus. You know those that surround us. You know the needs of those around us, Father. Those in our neighborhoods. Father, those in our communities. Those in our sphere of influence. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Open our eyes to see as you see. Let us understand who you've put in front of us to minister to. Who you've put in front of us to work with. In the name of Jesus. So easy to become so self-focused. I'm busy. I got things going on. I got things to do. I got kids. I got all these responsibilities. I got all these tasks. All these chores. It's okay. That's okay. You can get all that done. Can you look out for others at the same time? Can you help somebody else? Can you assist somebody else with something? I, I guess... I was just raised different. Out in the country, now it's not this way in the city, but out in the country, if somebody needed help with something, everybody just helped. 
So I moved to the country a year ago. My neighbor comes to me and she says, I really need that rock move from the front of my house to the back of my house. Would you just tell me whatever it costs, I'll do it. I said, if you just give me a week or two, don't hound me about it every day, I'll come take care of it. Oh, I'll still pay you. I said, I don't want your money. You don't? No, I don't want your money. So I went and I moved it for her. It took me a couple weeks to get there, but I went and I moved it for her. She was just blown away. She had a big patch of wetland in the middle of her yard. It's, it's, it's probably 100, 200 yards long and 50, 70 yards wide. And it was about four feet tall. And she can't get a riding mower in there because it's so bumpy. But, but God blessed me with a tractor. And so I told her, I said, I'll come mow that wetland down. She goes, well, I'll pay you for that. I said, I don't want your, I don't want your money. I just want to help you. And she just stood on her front porch and watched me. She could not believe what was happening. This is what God was talking about. This is what the scriptures were trying to teach us. Look every man also on the things of others. What, what is around me? What can I get to be a part of? Who can I help? Who can I be a blessing to? It takes humility. It's humbling myself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He was God. You realize he could have come to earth any old way he chose to come to earth. He was in charge. But he came in the form of a servant. He, he could have come and been birthed in the greatest hospital in the world, if we're talking in today's. He could have had the birthing suite of birthing suites. He could have been born in a palace. He could have been born in the penthouse suite of the, of the nicest condo in the world. But instead, he came to a stable, to a barn, to a manger, to some hay, to some cows, to some sheep, to some shepherds. He was setting an example to us. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray right now. Elder Hart, I, I, I find it hard to, to wrap my mind around people of God who fly from facility to facility in helicopters. So they can preach on Sunday in different places. We have drivers in limousines pull up in front of their doors and let them out to church. When our greatest example showed up in a barn. Rode a donkey. Ran for his life the first few years of his life. I'm not, not, I'm not talking nothing against nice things. Don't get me wrong here. But he said, if I can come to him in humility... He, he being the greatest example, said, I made myself of no reputation and I took upon me the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. 
being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I'm coming to a close. I don't know that we would ever have the ability in this life to identify with the humility that it took for him to hang upon that cross. When you look at the, the years of his life, 30 years when he, if you go all the way back to his birth, and I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the room where the angels heralded your birth. Shepherds, people, people saw stars and came because they wanted to see him. They brought him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Brought as a baby into the temple and, and men and women, the Bible tells us in the Gospels, that had been waiting all of their life to see the Christ child are there. They acknowledge it. And then, you know, as he starts entering into puberty, in those early teen years, there's just people baffled by him as he's in the temple. Then his disappearance. Oh, that must have been hard. Live in hiding. Hanging out in the carpenter shop with dad, doing whatever carpenters in carpenter shop do. Just working away, doing his thing. And then he goes to a wedding. Gets invited to a wedding. Turns water to wine. Started this process that we know of miracles, three and a half years of miracles, signs and wonders, teachings, incredible things. He never hurt anybody. Never did anything wrong to anybody. Never touched anybody. The worst thing he did was maybe kick some tables over in the temple because they had turned the house of God into a den of thieves. He loved people. He had compassion on people. Gave the blind their sight. Caused deaf ears to hear again. Caused lepers who'd been cast out of cities and had no interaction with their families anymore. He cleansed them, allowed them to live normal lives again. All he did was give, 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 give. He was a servant of servants. He humbled himself. And then there he is before the crowds that day. When they asked him, would you rather this thief be released to you or would you rather Jesus be released to you? One of them is going to be crucified today. To, to stand there knowing I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve to be here today. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And I ought to just walk out of here right now and snap my finger and knock all you right out of my presence. But in humility, he submitted himself to the process. We find him praying in the garden. If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. In other words, if there's any other way for this to get accomplished other than the way that we're going now, please do it. But if there's not, okay. That was what he said. When the scripture says that he submitted himself, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself to that. You can stand with me. We find an interesting scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 33. 
Moses asked the Lord, show me thy glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. You're going to stand upon a rock, Moses. And I'm going to allow my glory to pass by. And it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of a rock. I'm going to hide you. And I'm not just going to hide you, but I'm going to cover you with my hand while I pass by. We understand what the glory of God meant in the Old Testament, the power of God. At one point, Moses came down off a mountain. It shone so bright on his face that he had to wear a veil. It scared the people of God. That glory and power of God is just as powerful today as it was back then. And I will tell you, there is nothing in this world that I love more than when the glory of God comes down in one of my personal prayer times. Even more when it comes down in gatherings like this and the glory of God begins to fill the room. Power of God begins to move and miracles begin to happen and things begin to transpire and hearts become changed. That same glory that visits us visited Moses at his request. But God said, Before that glory is going to show up, you, Moses, are going to have to hide. You're going to have to get over here on the side. I'm going to have to cover you. I don't want you're, you're not going to be seen with my glory. tell you today I want to do whatever it takes to get out of the way to humble myself before him so that the glory of God can be revealed in this hour the world needs a manifestation of the glory of God but it's not going to come because I exalt myself it's going to come when I get out of the way when I can put on put on the apron when I can put on the coveralls and say father you have your way you do the work it doesn't have to be about me I'll just, I'll just be a vessel. I'll just be a servant that you can use. I'm just available. I don't need any credit. I don't want the glory. You do the work. I'll make sure you get all the glory. Come on, talk to the Lord right now. He said he's a jealous God. He said his glory is not going to share with another. If you want to see the glory of God manifested in your life, you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to let Him remove you out of the way so that He can do through you what He wants to do. Only you and God know what that process is going to look like. Only you and God know what the process is going to appear like. Only you know what lies ahead. Only He knows what He's going to allow you to go through so that His glory can be revealed. In the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus. Father, let us be clothed. Let us be knit together with humility today. Unify us in our humility as we humble ourselves before you. In your mighty hand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Please be seated for just a minute. I thought it was just a thought I had. Triggered by Elder Hart's statement earlier on when he said, Jesus made himself of no reputation, which he took an action made himself of no reputation, but it doesn't stop there. Elder Johnstone then, when read the rest of the scripture, took upon him the form of a servant. Those were actions that he moved to position himself. Out of one place to another place. What's your good side? Your left cheek or your right cheek? Which, which is your good side? Do you know? Come on, you've looked in the mirror. You just don't want to say it in this atmosphere, do you? I've known people who would enter the building from the door that allows for their good side to be exposed to the crowd. I've known people to come into the building and walk down the side aisle carefully not to disturb. I put so much time into this today and I got it perfect. I got it perfect. You ain't perfect until it goes bald. I'll tell you that right now. I've observed over my many years now People that the whole crowd could tell, they are so focused on their presenting of themselves as they came into the room, thinking, yeah, all eyes are on them. And they ain't nobody looking at them. It's all up here and in here and their demeanor and how they carry themselves and with each action, you know, presenting. I've known some who have waited till all were seated until they made their entrance into the room. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Well, how did one become high and one become low? It's all up here. It's when you see yourself as just elevated a little bit above everybody else. 
Now, there's probably none of that left in the room. But it'll come back tomorrow. When you can come into any room and let all that are in the room feel common with you, that's when you have condescended. It wasn't coming down a staircase. It wasn't coming down off of a pedestal. But it was adjustments in what you release. It's an adjustment in what you relay. Your demeanor. Who you are. Listen to me. This came to me in the opening. And I held back and didn't say it. This should affirm to you that this wasn't a message Brother Johnstone came up with. This isn't just God dealing with Brother Johnstone about something. This literally is the mind of God for today for each, every soul in the building. And the importance for the unity of the body coming together. That when we come among each other, we are common with each other. There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. But there is an... I believe that there is something that we consciously... That's what Jesus was doing. He wasn't putting on a show by climbing on a donkey and saying, I got to get these people to believe that I've got humility in my life. It was truly who he was. It should be truly what we are. I feel to open the altar here. As we each one examine and bring before the Lord. You know, true humility before God brings humility in the eyes of others. True humility as self. It's not just the action of the bending of the knee. It's not posturing myself to appear. It's truly what takes place in here between me and him. That brings a release. And we have unity in the body of Christ. We have unity with him. We have unity one with the other. a time when I begin to sometimes when we got dressed for church that it wasn't helping us because we called it our Sunday best our Sunday dress our, in other words we were putting on something for Sunday and the minute we left in our Chevrolet Impala we became something else 
And so when we would meet with people, they'd say, who's that guy? Man, he's not what he was. What, what's going on? Who's she? What is it? You know, Paul made a statement to Paul. It was pretty hard. It was like a jab in the side. Your righteousness is as filthy rags to me. So would you get all uppity and in yourself? That's the way you carry yourself among others? You stink to me. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's not about a church service. It's not just us about us coming together and feeling good about, you know, our presentation one to another, you know, our surface little, how you doing? Good to see you. Great. Oh, I didn't want to hear about all that. What are you, what are you ready to do today? What has this word from the Lord touched in your life. He ain't talking to me. Better check that. Salter. Testament, the altar was made of stone. In one place, the communication was is you can fall on this rock, or I can have this rock to fall upon you. In other words, whether you see it or not, the Lord was saying, I can bring you to the place, and then you'll have greater understanding of it. You understand, God is talking to all of us. Every soul in the room. There is no, that was for them. You know, that's obvious, my goodness. No. It's for me. My wife said in her statements, I don't know who this was for. I wanted to say, I'll take it. work in me, let it change me, let it shape me, let it bring me to a place that it pleases him when he looks and sees as I walk along, as I walk through the body, as I interact with the body of Christ this altar is open for you it's open for me it's here, you can turn you can turn your chair into an altar. It's a little soft and cushy, but you can still make it an altar. Condescend. Let me condescend, Father. Esteeming others higher than myself. If somehow there's levels that measure any of us, 
esteeming others better esteeming others more important not by just the words that come out of my mouth but it's what's released in my spirit my attitude my demeanor how I carry myself among them come on in the name of Jesus Jesus why would he use a man so greatly that would wear camel's hair eat bugs and honey he was a man of low estate
this might take a little bit of time. Time didn't avail itself earlier, but you came into the room and you looked across and you made eye contact with somebody. And then you quickly darted your eyes away because you knew that we were moving into opening this service and you sit down and you haven't greeted them. I promise you I've made the practice. We just came away from a conference the other day. If for some reason I don't feel like talking to anybody, I'm going to look at the floor as I walk to my seat. Because when I see somebody and make eye contact with them, it's almost like a, hey, hi, how are you doing? But then I have to consciously make the effort to look away. And it may seem limited, but there's a certain amount of a little bit of rejection in that. Okay? Sometimes it's just not convenient. But sometimes we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. In other words, this isn't about me. It's about us. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter the individual, who they are, their station in life, how important or not so important they are. We made eye contact. I'm coming. I'm on my way. And I'm going to greet you and I'm going to give you a little bit of time. I'm going to look you in the eye and we're going to be common. not going to exit and go sit up with the important people I don't know where it came from early on but I've never gone to the preacher room to eat the meal at the end of a fellowship meeting man let's sit out here man we're all together in this. I'm, I know I've got frowned at a few times hey scoot over you're supposed to be in here with us no I'm good I'm good right here now, this may take a few minutes. But as we dismiss, would you greet one another? Would you extend the right hand of fellowship to a brother, a sister? God bless you. God bless you. important to me as my brother in the body whatever your function is in the body that God has chosen in you immaterial to me we are common brothers together some people's path has had them beaten up and so Sometimes the safest place for somebody who has been beaten up rather than to feel rejection from others is they just continually beat themselves up. You know, I don't want you to... I'll just do it to myself. Are we conscious of this? And so what is it that you can do in a situation like that? Amen. I am really thrilled to see you. Come here, stand up. I am really thrilled to see you today. Now, can you tell whether I'm faking it or not? 
You're having a hard time discerning that, isn't it? <laughs> it's because it's genuine. Yes. It's real, so there's no work. Yes. Sometimes you got to work through people's greeting. Did they, did they mean that? Why did they say that? Can we be real? Sure we can. Because that's what we are. We're real people here. Ain't no angels among us. Come sit down now. You're feeling a little <laughs> conspicuous there. Well, however long it takes you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I will see you at Wixom Park. God bless you.